This episode contains descriptions of bullying, emotional and physical abuse, sexism, racism, and homophobia. Victims and parents of victims can visit stopbullying.gov for information on the warning signs and effects of bullying and cyberbullying, prevention, and resources. Starcourt Study Hall episodes contain spoilers for all seasons of Stranger Things. Episodes may also contain graphic content and language not suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The views and opinions expressed are those of the hosts unless otherwise stated, and all content and characters are property of Netflix and the Duffer Brothers. I'm Amanda. I'm Marina. And And this this is Starcourt Study Study Hall. So I've struggled with how to start this episode. I've been thinking about it all day. Okay. And my original thought was to just come onto the mic and start heavy breathing into it. <laughs> like a mouth breather? Through my mouth. <laughs> I don't know if it would pick up, so I'm not going to do it. But that was what I wanted to start this episode with. But well, since I wasn't sure if it would work. <laughs> to, to all of our fans of ASMR out there, so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so in case you didn't already gather what we are discussing on today's episode, it is mouth breathers. So we're <laughs> going to talk about the bullies of Hawkins because we think that they're very important and they add a lot to the plot. They sure do. And we were just discussing how sometimes the bullies and um, antagonists are kind of the most fun to talk about because we have a lot of opinions. And they're very gray. They're they're complex characters. At least at least most of them, I yes, think, are. I think so. Um, I also want to point out that this is somehow our tenth episode. I don't Woo! know how we got here. So I just wanted to say happy birthday. <laughs> happy birthday. What, what birthday that is? But happy birthday. Happy birthday to us. Yeah. So I also want to always point out our sources. So I spent a lot of time, too much time, in fact. So much time that it now comes up as a suggested link in my Google. Oh my <laughs> Like gosh. when I open Google Chrome. On tvtropes.org. So yeah, this website was my best friend for the wow. research for the... Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. I was replaced by a you website. You were replaced by a website. <laughs> <laughs> tvtropes.org is in. Amanda is out. Wow. <laughs> I actually host this podcast now with tvtropes.org <laughs> and not you. Just the website, not the people. <laughs> just the website. All right. So anyway, so yeah, tvtropes.org, primary source for the episode. And I just want to point out some some general things here. So every season of Stranger Things has antagonists, right? Social antagonists or bullies, in addition to the supernatural ones, so I don't really personally consider the Mind Flayer to be a bully, but I suppose no. uh, it just doesn't. The Demogorgon, I don't know. Seems Vecna, a little different. Yeah, uh, probably not a bully, maybe kind of a bully, I don't know. Um, so bullies are different from villains, and this is a quote. It is not always the case that bullies are villains. They typically just act antagonistic and are often considered neutral characters. So today we're talking about our bullies, our mouth breathers. We feel that the plot of Stranger Things is often driven forward by how our heroes are forced to kind of respond to these social antagonists. Like, for example, if we consider Jason a bully, right, which I do, I consider Jason a bully. And he's spoken about in this episode as a bully. Mm -hmm. Jason is our, our jerk jock from season four. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think we kind of can see how he impacts the plot, right? Just a like, little. Like, he di- Max dies because of Jason's ignorance in season four. It's, it's, it's painful. It is. I was going to correct you and be like, um, she's not dead, but she was. She was almost dead, yeah. yeah. No, I think she was, like, fully dead. But anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, the scene of Lucas trying to get Jason to leave. Like, while Max is luring Vecna to her, it's just nauseating. I don't like it. And then Jason crushes the Walkman, and it's the worst thing. So we can see how Jason impacts the plot of season four in more ways than one, but that's just an example. Yes. And then I also think we see a lot of character development as a result of these characters, like the bullies. 
So Mike in season one stands out. Um, I think he has the courage to stand up to Troy and James. And that's character development. And I think he, you know, probably gets some of this courage from having Elle by his side. Of course. But I mean, we also when you have a girl with superpowers yeah. next to you, it's pretty <laughs> easy helps. to be confident. Right. <laughs> and then we also see Max stand up to Billy at the end of season two. Right. So sad. And we see. I know. <laughs> Although. It's it's like it's like it makes you wonder when that scene occurs when she's like stay away from me and my friends or whatever she says like that's what it took to get Billy to stay away like just Max being like stay away from us yeah I mean she took a page out of Bob Newby's book <laughs> and said go away right, go away <laughs> um, and then another example is Steve standing up to Tommy that's a big one at the end of season one and I think Elle explores her identity through bullies. She's always never sure, am I the monster? Is she provoked by these people? I think of Angela, right? It was always a little bit shocking to watch her hit Angela with the roller skate in season mm-hmm. four. As satisfying <laughs> as it was, you already knew Elle was questioning herself in that season. So to see her get violent, it, 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 yeah, it was, it was a jarring scene. Um, <laughs> Amanda's cat... Is also a mouth breather. Yes. Bernie has a lot of impact. (laughs) So, yeah. So if we just in general, you know, bullies are not necessarily considered villains. And we do stand by the fact that they are very critical to the plot of Stranger Things. Yeah. So before we can kind of get into the bullies of Stranger Things and of Hawkins and California, um, Mm -hmm. we should definitely talk about the media depiction of bullies and the way that they're kind of... uh, troped if you will in various media so tvtropes.org our bff someone's bff (laughs) my bff not Uh, yours okay you can only have one best friend that's right (laughs) as we know so their description um of the bully and all related media tropes were was pretty helpful in kind of understanding this so they have some really interesting trope names for them uh and just to be clear these are just the names of the the tropes that uh tvtropes.org has given us we are not insulting these characters or the actors it's just what they call them yes um so our first trope is (laughs) the alpha bitch so shit the alphabet and i'm already oh. quaking in my boots just thinking about it so that's me <laughs> yeah, the alphabet <laughs> so this i i mean reading the description here we go the most popular girl in school who bullies the unpopular she usually has like a girl posse um so a group of other girls who who bullies others as well led by the alphabet our mm-hmm. resident alphabet is is regina in- george I mean, she might as well be, right? <laughs> it's Angela, our our California gal. Um, mm. Our next no, trope. You. Nope. Our next trope is basically the male bully in a varsity jacket, our jerk jock. So our resident jerk jock on this show would be Jason. So we next have mean boss. Very descriptive. Uh, yes. This is... <laughs> This is, uh, in case you couldn't figure it out, a boss who bullies his employees. Our resident mean boss would be Tom Holloway from the Hawkins Post. Uh, even before he was flayed, he was just the worst. It's just terrible. Just, just, just shit, shitty shit people. Right? I mean, every dude who worked at the Hawkins Post was just a All nightmare. Trash garbage. Yes. Our our other trope, or another trope we have here is. Uh, bully the disabled a person who bullies disabled people um, it's usually only younger characters who are acting like this and uh, we do have a person in the show who does act like this well we have two people Troy and James um, and they mock Dustin for having cleidocranial dysplasia which Gaten Matarazzo has in real life mm-hmm. um, so it's like extra crappy uh, next we have a peer pressured bully that's typically a bully who tends to only act that way because of peer pressure. So we we do have, I feel like we have a couple of different people in the show um, who could be considered that. But I think a, a standout is definitely Steve in season one, at least. Also, um, like the other numbers, right? So three and mm-hmm. four and whoever else was having fun with two mm-hmm. in Hawkins' lab. You don't see them being 
the main bully. Like, in season four, two is the bully of Hawkins' lab. And you have his, like, you know, his his little people who surround him. So they're sort of peer-pressured bullies, yes. too, I guess. They're, they're, I mean, in a way, they're, like, peer-pressured by Papa a little bit. I mean, two is, like, the alpha bitch. He's, yeah. he's the Hawkins' lab alpha bitch. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So our, our next trope would be bully brutality. So this this is this is a rough one. Um, so it's quoted as being when bullies are out to severely hurt or, t- or their target or even worse. We do see this quite a lot in the show, which is uh, deeply disturbing. A shining example of this is when Troy is holding Dustin at knife point and telling mm-hmm. Mike to jump off a cliff. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, okay, could have just on. pushed him into a locker, right? Stole his lunch money. Nope, jump off a straight old cliff. And and hold a kid at knife point. Yeah. Wild. Nope. Could have just put his head in the toilet. Like a normal bully, but no. Like a normal bully. <laughs> giving him a wedgie or something. Right? Nope. Had to take out his teeth. Yes. And then we have another one um, who, like, he, he creates this mob mentality to basically hunt down and kill Eddie, our jerk jock Jason. Uh, he also displays some pretty severe bully brutality. He's ready to kill. Yeah, he's pretty, uh, at least severely injured, yes. maybe. Yes. But, yeah, he's he's out for blood. Mm-hmm. Next, we have bullying a dragon. So, in our case, not a literal dragon, but it's basically a, a bully who messes with people that they definitely should not and that they're maybe underestimating, like Eleven. Yeah, don't bully that person. Nope. Bad she idea. She will squeeze your tiny bladder. Yes, she will. Yes, she will. Okay, so next we have something called Crush the Keepsake, which is basically a bully who just wants to take something that means a lot to its their victim and destroy it just to be a bully. So RIP to Jonathan's camera and also to um, the tape recorder or the, the tape player in the Creel house that, jo- that Jason destroys because what was the point of that? Yeah, that, that did look intentional, right? right? Like he looked down and was like, I'm going to step on that Walkman. Yes, yes. It was a Walkman. I, what is it? I think it's a Walkman. I'm not Maybe really it was sure. like a, okay, we're, whatever. Whatever. <laughs> Just stop talking yeah. now, okay? But he, he destroys it. It, it. it did seem intentional. <laughs> right. Okay, our next one is defacement insult. When bullies write hateful and demeaning things in some place the victim is known to frequent. Uh, so RIP to the movie theater announcement board because uh, Nancy Wheeler the slut is mm, playing. Mm-hmm. So our second to last bully trope is honor thy abuser. This one is very loaded. It's when victims learn to forgive their bullies, usually if they're already reformed or if they've already reformed. Mm-hmm. So we do see this a little bit with, with Max and Billy. It does kind of seem like after the season two incident, Billy definitely backed off and Max, I don't know. They just didn't really seem to interact anymore um beyond anything that they like had to but Mm -hmm. yeah no and then it took him dying i think for her to like understand him and forgive him i guess yeah like in season four i think we see her forgiveness for him now that he's dead yeah which is it's just tragic on a number of levels Mm -hmm. um and then finally, our last trope is the reformed bully. This is a bully who has given up their bullying ways. Turning over new leaves. We see this with Steve for sure. I mean, he makes like a full 180 triple backflip away oh, from being shit. a bully. Yeah, he an I know. Olympian? It was wild. I saw it in the <laughs> wow. X Games. Uneven bars, his <laughs> form. <laughs> Steve Harrington on the balance beam. <laughs> okay. And then... Uh, we we struggle a little bit with the idea of Billy being mm-hmm. a reformed bully. Um, so we'll we'll get into that a little bit more a little later, but that's up for debate for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think we could talk about, like, who are the Stranger Things bullies? And I love the tropes because these are themes that we see throughout media. So it's like you might see a jerk jock he might just be like some he's a character he is legitimately a trope so Mm -hmm. let's now talk about like who the stranger things bullies actually are who are their victims what are their methods our first pair of bullies that we get in the series is 
good old Troy and James from season one. Who's raising these children? I have so many questions. <laughs> <laughs> Their victims are Mike, Dustin, Will, in spirit, and Lucas. I say in spirit because Will's not there to be bullied, which is actually even worse because he can't even defend himself. So, so Troy and James... Um, from season one, they bully Mike, Dustin, Will, and Lucas. And I would say Troy is probably the main bully of this pair. James just kind of stands there idly by, like, egging him on, giving him some, like, yeah, like, every now and then, you know, <laughs> really great feedback. Um, and <laughs> these two are, they are, we talked about bully brutality. These two are are brutal. So they are racist towards Lucas. They call him Midnight. Mm-hmm. One of the first things that we see in the show as one of the interactions um, they bully Dustin for having a disability. We spoke about that. They call him toothless. No, thank you. <laughs> and then they also, what's the word I want? Resort. It? Resort, thank you, to name calling. That's like their, their MO here. They call Mike Frogface, which like, come on. Why are we, just stop. Um, and then they're homophobic towards Will. I don't know if I have this quote exactly, but when... The school has the like the assembly to honor Will right before the the pee pants incident. <laughs> Troy's like, yeah, he's in Fairyland with all the other fairies. Like he's homophobic. Yes. Okay. So they're just really brutal name callers. That's their that's their method of bullying. And they also, as we mentioned, hold Dustin at knife point and tell Mike to jump off a cliff. Like what? Yeah, so I, 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 I don't know. I mean, the I understand like he was humiliated right in front of the school. He was made to pee his pants by a telepathic young lady. Not the best situation. I can understand his frustration, but he takes his humiliation and then resorts to violence. So I can almost empathize with him for like a second in that moment of humiliation in the gym, but then this, then he just resorts to violence, and I, I can no longer feel any sympathy for this person. Um, they are brutal for 12-year-olds, Troy and James. Yeah, absolutely. So our next season one bullies are Tommy and Carol, as we mentioned earlier. Um, so their victims are... I mean, like, literally anyone with a pulse, really. But uh, who we see is Barb, Nancy, Jonathan, and Steve. Um, Which is wild because, like, Steve is their best friend, supposedly. Yeah, you're bullying your best friends. Yeah, and Nancy is with Steve. So, like, I don't know. It would be like me bullying TVTropes.org. Like, I just simply wouldn't (laughs) bully my best friend. (laughs) (laughs) So, anyway... I'm going to look past that horrible insult. Um, so <laughs> so Tommy and Carol are uh, very peer pressure in their methods. So they're, they peer pressure. Um, I think they peer pressure Nancy into drinking at the party, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like a collective. like Yeah, it's just in general. And they, they mock Nancy for not wanting to party on a Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> Tuesday. <laughs> Like, why does he say that? Like, it is a Tuesday. I don't want to party on a Tuesday. I have a chemistry test tomorrow. Like, I have to wake up at 6.30 in the morning to go to high school. Are you kidding me? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Um, And then they definitely are, like, Steve's kryptonite. So he's kind of his worst self when they're around. Mm -hmm. So that in itself is very telling of the peer pressure power that they hold. Yeah. They also imply that Jonathan killed Will, which is a very strange implication that I can't quite figure out. Yeah. Up like, on there, like, with, like, the, the Powell and the Callahan, like... Yeah. The stupid, stupid, like, stupidness. What, what are these comments? Like, why? Um, and then they also mock Steve for having a heart. I, like, I genuinely, like, almost feel bad for Tommy and Carol, because, like, what what is their home life like? Like, it I can't don't be know. good. It can't be good. I don't... Yeah, I don't... And we, like, we... We go deeper into each of these little bullies a little bit later in the episode, but I had the same question. Like, wh- what what's going on here? Paint me a yeah, picture. Right? Like, they the fact that they mock Steve for, like, falling Ooh, in love with this Steve girl. Steve Like, what? Y'all, haven't y'all you been have dating? You have a heart, too. Since, well, that's what I said. That's what I, yeah. Like, like since eighth grade? I'm sorry. Like, does Tommy not have a heart? Like, he's your boyfriend? <laughs> yeah, like, what? What is this relationship, even? I don't know. I don't know. Very strange. strange stranger things very stranger <laughs> things <laughs> the things only get stranger oh okay. my gosh 
All right. Well, I know nobody wants to do this, but we're going to talk about Steve as a bully because I don't think anybody knew where Steve Harrington was going when season one was released. Did we hate him? Did we like him? What do we feel about him? Mixed bag. So let's talk about Steve as a bully. I identified his two victims as Jonathan and Nancy. Can't really think of anybody else yeah. that he bullies. Um, and you had said, you know, like Tommy and Carol are his kryptonite. However, it's important to not take away his free will, right? He's making decisions. Although they are emotional decisions, he is making them. And he's he does think he's being cheated on. So I'm not making excuses for Steve, but... He's under the wrong impression. He's not yes. operating with the correct information. And I thought this was interesting when you compare it to Jason in season four, because they're both acting on information they assume is correct, mm. but it's false information. Like, yes, Chrissy was buying drugs. Yes, she was killed by an interdimensional mutant monster. Like, yes, I know that's hard for you to grasp, and that doesn't seem like reality, but that's what's happening. So Jason and Steve operating with not enough information and making decisions based off of it they mm -hmm. feel their actions are informed even though they're not and steve is he's really shitty he breaks jonathan's camera but again i think he thinks it's justified right because jonathan was being a creep yeah i mean in, in fairness to that specific action yeah i kind of get it right like stop that yeah. stop doing that um, and then he does vandalize the movie theater announcement board and calls nancy a slut which he already knew Nancy was sensitive about this language because she brought it up to him in her bedroom and mm -hmm. he chooses to use it anyway. So Steve has a mean streak, even if he's acting out of emotion. And he insults Jonathan in the alley and then they end up in their their fist fight. So Steve is not not a great guy in season one. No. And at the same time, like I, I get it. Like he thinks he's being cheated on. I mean, it kind of makes me think of when people find out they're being cheated on and then like take all of their significant other's clothes and stuff and like mm -hmm. pour glitter on them or bleach on them or like <laughs> throw them I out to in my brain i was like burns them and you were like pours glitter on them <laughs> <laughs> i have i have uh methods of destruction that are both beautiful and destructive yes <laughs> <laughs> all right so our next bully is oof, a doozy it's billy so billy is the big bully of season two um he he victimizes Max and Lucas, but, like, also kind of whoever gets in his way. Um, doesn't really matter who they are, but he he has it out for Max and Lucas specifically. So, Billy is a pretty complex character, but he's also pretty racist and abusive. It's not overtly stated that he is opposed to Max being with Lucas because Lucas is black, but it's pretty heavily implied. I um, think so. Yeah. He's also emotionally and verbally abusive to Max. I mean, we could talk at length about Billy because he's a very com complex character, like we mentioned, but we will definitely talk a little bit more about him in depth a little later in the episode. Uh, he could honestly have his own episode because with Billy, there's a lot to talk about. He's a doozy. Um, so fast forward to season three and we have our Hawkins post crew. So these absolute idiots from season three, um, more specifically Tom Holloway and Bruce Lowe. I want to punch Bruce Lowe. Yes. In the face. Like I, I don't feel that way about many of the characters on this show, but he invokes something that his face is it just is infuriating. His, their, their victims, their victim is Nancy. At the Hawkins Post in season three. Um, and something that is particularly disgusting about the Hawkins Post group is the fact that they are our only true adult bullies. Like, sure, we could say Billy is an adult, I guess. He's, he's definitely over. Yeah, but I think he's probably like an Eddie type. I, ha mm. I have this feeling that he stayed back a few years. Yeah. But they are adults. The Hawkins Post crew are adults. They are adults. And they are blatantly sexist towards Nancy. They do not treat Jonathan in the way that they treat Nancy. And Nancy deals with name calling. She deals with belittling. And to be quite honest, she is dealing with a straight up hostile work environment. There where, is no other way around it. Where is HR? That's what I want to know. There's no HR at the tiny little no. independent <laughs> newspaper in Hawkins, Indiana. I guess not. In, in 1985. In 1985, yeah. Um, and I also think we can't just overlook the fact that your career should not be blockaded by prejudice. 
and Nancy's career more or less is being blockaded by their sexism. Yeah. They are a disgusting group of people. They really are. Bruce is just specifically punchable, like you said. Just something about him. Ugh. And he keeps calling her Nancy Drew. Like, first of all, Nancy Drew is wonderful. Yeah, she is. This is not an insult. No, I would love to be called Nancy Drew. She's very smart. Exactly. (sighs) Okay, so I got another doozy for you. Our next one is Angela. I don't want to talk about her. Speaking of punchable faces... (laughs) Her stupid face. That's not what I meant at all. Oh my gosh. You're doing it too well. Stop it. Um, So her main victim is Elle. We don't really see her bullying anybody else. (laughs) No. I don't know what her problem with Elle specifically is. She just hates her so much. And we're going to include a a quick quote here from tvtropes.org. So it says, take your typical setting involving teenagers, say a high school, Wait an establishing scene or two, or three, and there she is. See that attractive blonde? Looking down her nose, often literally, and sneering at the frumpy girl? That's her. That's Angela, the alpha bitch, as we know. And Elle was pretty frumpy. I'm, 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 she was <laughs> she pretty was. frumpy. I need okay? to know who like, let her leave the house like that. Who Joyce was- did. Joyce. Joyce did. Like, she had such a cute little style in season three, and then she moved to California and started dressing like It was Joyce. That. It yeah. was all Joyce. <laughs> it had to be. Like, Joyce, come on, girl. So, <laughs> Marina wrote this note. <laughs> if Angela was a Pokemon, her special attack would be humiliation. Yes. So true. So true. Uh, the, the diorama incident in uh, the classroom. Excuse me. What? D-Rayama. D- oh, D-Rayama. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you just spelled it wrong. <laughs> no, no. D-Rayama. So, like, yeah, uh, the, the, the D- I can't even say that. D-Rayama classroom incident. And then Wrinkle Mania with the milkshake. I mean, girl, like, what is your, what is your beef? What is the beef? Beefy. It is beefy. Okay, like Troy also, she did not handle the humiliation well when it was directed back at her. Interesting. Nope. Look mm-hmm. who can dish, dish it but can't take, take it. Huh. <laughs> uh so yeah she, it's it's also interesting that l was at the foreground of troy's public humiliation and also angela's she don't mess with the dragon yeah there we go mm. yep even though the the scene of l trying to use her powers Ooh. like on the california high school campus was the most secondhand embarrassment <laughs> it's so bad i yeah we I, don't have to talk about that no i i can't rewatch that ever again i have to skip it every time now i just can't yeah, do it's it it's brutal well on to on to better things uh oh. two. Oh, two, much better two from season four so his victim is l and he's also really complex to me like yeah. I, I have a really hard time just looking at these bullies in a in a one-dimensional way like i can't help but like why are they acting that way what's oh, yeah. going on with them like i just have to do that so i find two to be very complex um, and it's also interesting because up until we learn about Elle's experience as a kid in Hawkins National Lab, we don't realize that she has been bullied for most of her life. Right. So you see why Angela tormenting her is particularly, like, re-traumatizing because she's been bullied before. You don't know that until season four. She doesn't know that until season four. Right. True. <laughs> Absolutely. But it's buried in You're there right. somewhere. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I do want to say, though, I think two bullies out of self-preservation yeah um i think he sees l as a threat like to his receipt of affection from brenner and all the kids in hawkins national lab are sort of like trapped in this abuse cycle with papa and affection is scarce and it must be one i actually said that he kind of reminds me of kato from the hunger games yes right which is like it, if any hunger games people out there kato from the first the first book sort of brought up in like a chronic state of competition but like not inherently evil just sort of bred into this survival of the fittest mindset so just can't really help it sort of thing wasn't he so, yeah, from two two he was from district two was he not i feel like he kind of looks like him too they do they have like yeah a similar demeanor right For those of you who don't know what we're talking about look up kato from the hunger games i'm literally looking it up right now to see if he was yeah he was from district two Anyway, so let's talk about another very complex bully, if you can call him that, very debatable, Jason. Mm. 
So his main victims, it varies. Um, Eddie is kind of like his big uh, driving force. And then Lucas becomes a victim later. Um, <laughs> or, or he becomes a target, rather. Well, he does become a victim, too. And also, like, the, enti- the entire town of Hawkins, pretty much. Like, Jason is just trying to, like, control an entire town, essentially. And, and Cal- or Powell just lets him. Like, it's so Beauty and the Beast. Like, Gaston, <laughs> kill the beast! Like, it's, yeah, like, it rallying is. them to, like, go to the castle oh with the gosh. pitchforks. Like. I didn't even think about that. But, yeah, he, he kind of, like, it creates an angry mob out of the whole entire town. No big deal. So, he's a bully and he's not, right? So, he... He bullies because of his ignorance and major cognitive dissonance. And also just like, yeah, I mean, it, it is hard to believe that it's actually an interdimensional demon, you know, and he's he's also in grief, too. I mean, we have to, we have to remember he's lost Chrissy in the beginning. Now, granted, Chrissy, we didn't we didn't see a ton of his and Chrissy's relationship, but I would venture to guess that it wasn't like anything crazy amazing but uh, i don't know he seemed to really care about her i can't tell it's nothing that she could have had with eddie honestly i know i know but whatever um so he physically assaults eddie's fellow band members and essentially holds lucas hostage for a period of time while he tries to track down dustin so uh, like that's inexcusable to me i feel like right like like okay fine you can be on this rampage you think your girlfriend was murdered and you know you think the town's in danger whatever why you gotta physically assault these poor nerds intimidation yeah like there's no need for that his end goal is definitely to brutalize in some way eddie he doesn't i mean he doesn't like specify that he's gonna kill him i personally think he would have killed him um if he found him jason is quite tragic in a way um because like we said he's operating under false information um he's also in grief i mean we see him just start to kind of unravel throughout the season yeah so it's it's sad to watch um but he I don't know. To me, he's still a bully because truth be told, before he even started going on this rampage, he was just kind of generally a a jerk. Like he was just not a not a nice dude. No, but like he he gets pretty complicated. And I'm only even just now thinking of him desperately trying to get Lucas to wake Max up because he doesn't want another person to die. Right. Like you do feel so sympathetic for him. Yeah. Like he just simply does not understand I know. Like Billy in season three, when he doesn't understand what the mind flayer wants from him. <laughs> what do I you don't want? understand? <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I did see like a Reddit post, I think, that said, what if when Lucas was explaining to Jason the actual truth, like, what if he had just kind of folded to what Jason believed and just been like, yup, we are a satanic cult and we accidentally mm. summoned a demon. Like, I'm trying to help now. Oh, interesting. I mean, yeah. The irony of Jason's belief is that he's not that far off. No. When you when you think of Vecna in relation to like the devil. Yeah. Like he's not that far off. No. Like if he would actually like think about it for a moment, and I think if if Lucas had maybe played into his delusion, yeah, it, it might have worked. So one of the other things that uh, we found on TV tropes was this fun little scale called the sliding scale of antagonist vileness and essentially what this scale is meant to measure is how much the audience sympathizes or hates the antagonists in media so we want to kind of use this scale and place our bullies onto it so the first part of the scale is most sympathetic so most of the villains on this part of the scale are not hated by the audience. So I think this is kind of fun because it might be controversial. Like we might have differing opinions here. Oh, we will. Okay. <laughs> so most sympathetic. So as part of the most sympathetic part of the scale, we have the anti-villain trope. So a quote, their actions are usually evil or at least morally questionable, but they're either fighting for an admirable goal, really ineffectual as villains don't want to be evil, have a lot of redeeming values, or they have some specific reason outside of their control for being evil. So the first person I think of as like a quote-unquote anti-villain is probably Steve. Mm -hmm. His actions are morally questionable in season one. There's also this other trope called Mr. Vice Guy, which is (laughs) like an ultimately, quote, heroic character associated with a vice. And 
to me, Steve's vice would probably be envy. A lot of the ways that he bullies in season one, they're, they're a result of his envy and jealousy and misunderstanding of being cheated on. Okay, yeah. I don't think Steve is hated by anyone. No. <laughs> He is he is quite loved, actually. So I would say in season one, at least, he's a little bit of an anti-villain. Um, and we all sympathize with Steve. I have I don't think anybody would come at me and be like, no, I hate Steve Harrington. Like, I just don't see that existing. No. Anybody out there who hates Steve Harrington, let us know. No, just stop listening. Don't let us know. <laughs> okay. All right. She set her, her boundaries. You take that. You, Stephen Harrington, hate people. <laughs> um, okay, so here's where this might get a little controversial. Yes. So Billy, as an anti-villain, Amanda is displeased. I am. So is it safe to say that some of Billy's actions, although abusive and inexcusable, are a result of his trauma and abuse that he suffered? I don't know. This is a tough one. This is a little bit of like stop the cycle to me. Like. Just because you were abused doesn't mean you have the right yes. to continue to abuse. But I do think we can kind of lump him in here with this being a reason outside of his control for being evil. Maybe. No. Okay. Um, his <laughs> also, his full descent into to true evil is because he's literally possessed by the mind flare. So in season three, he could do nothing to help that. And I think we sort of start to see a turn in his character in season three. Yeah. At the beginning, you know, once he kind of backs off Max and everybody, he seems to just kind of be trying to live his life, you know, hit it off with Karen Wheeler, work at the pool, be a lifeguard, take her out, show her the breaststroke. Okay. <laughs> and then he sacrifices himself for Elle. So Billy is just like this morally gray character to me personally. However, he is racist and this is not a result of his childhood abuse it may be a result of his upbringing but i don't think this part of his character is excusable i can't come up with a reason why anybody has justification to be racist but he's really morally perplexing to me i also had this thought when i was like looking at this would feelings about billy be so polarizing if he wasn't attractive hmm. like does he get a pass because he's attractive like for, for like the Maybe. fandom and like viewers, I could see that because okay, you know we we understand a lot about his background and like I would agree that he's definitely morally gray in many ways, in some not so much. But there's plenty of people in the show who are also morally gray in some ways, and they're not hot, <laughs> right? Exactly. <laughs> so I don't know. Like like for instance, I mean, okay, they're they're children, but Troy, Troy and James, like you know, we don't know what their background is and stuff, but we're, right. we're not giving them a pass just because yeah. they were brought up by bad people potentially. So I don't know. Billy Billy is a tough one for me. I do find him morally gray as well, but lots and lots, unfortunately, of people do get abused in their childhoods and have really crappy upbringings and don't grow up to be violent offenders. Like, right. you know, so I I do have a lot of thoughts about him. I mean, yeah, he was definitely shown the wrong way to treat people by his father, but I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I go back and forth on this one. It's so painful, the scene where you see him yell, him, him be reprimanded and yelled at by his dad. Yeah. And then, like, not three scenes, four scenes later, you see him essentially reprimand Max in the same exact way. And it's like, this is the behavior that he's had mirrored for him. And, like, this is what he's been exposed to. And it's just, it's like, he really puts me in a weird spot. I'm yeah. like, I don't know how I feel about you, man. You make me confused. Very similar to Brenner. I'm like, uh. I know. <laughs> I, I have know. very mixed feelings about Brenner, yeah. too. Yeah, and I didn't put Brenner on the list of bullies. To me, he's more of a villain, I guess. I don't know, Papa. Who's to say? Yeah, I'm still not totally clear on how we're supposed to feel about him. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Um, so, anti-villain, Billy, least or most sympathetic. And, uh, maybe we don't feel that way. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Um, and then my other my other anti-villain is Two, and I had said this earlier, Two is a bully because he sees Elle as a threat, right, to Papa's affection. So whenever she flexes her powers or has like a breakthrough or anything and she gets Papa's approval, Two feels threatened and retaliates. And this to me is like a survival method. He knows that he needs to stay on Papa's good side to receive affection. This is a cycle of abuse. Um, and it's really sad because all of the other children are also stuck in this cycle. But similarly to what you said about Billy, right, none of the other children are behaving this way. Mm. So 
how they're handling their cycle of abuse is different from how two is handling his. Right. Yeah. And again, his actions are inexcusable, but I, again, I can understand why he's acting that way. And I just kind of want to point out the absolute roller coaster <laughs> of emotions that goes on in season four between two and Brenner. Yeah. So we go into the, we go into this really disliking two and Brenner based on the, the information that we have. We see two being absolute garbage to L and Brenner. We just don't like Brenner. How is he alive? Nobody knows. And then Brenner starts to like stand up for L. And then we're like, yeah, like, yeah, Papa, stand up for L. And then he tortures two with the shock collar. <laughs> and then we hate him again, but we feel sympathy for two after just hating two. I am, I am dizzy. Yes. I mean, yeah, this is, it's like classic, again, cycle of abuse stuff. Like, yep. We just, how do we feel about these people? And also, bravo writing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, like, I don't think you watched Breaking Bad, no. but. Walter White as like an anti-hero it's just like the perfect thing like you you root for this absolute terrible person and you're like (laughs) why am I rooting for this person and then all of a sudden you're like I'm rooting for this person (laughs) it's just it's it's good writing it speaks to good writing yes I I agree I mean you know we already know uh, Stranger Things has amazing writers clearly so this is just really highlighting that so next category we have is moderately sympathetic so most of this villain, the villains on this part of the scale are pretty much hated by the majority of people. The alpha bitch would be under this category. So Angela, we find her moderately sympathetic. Her character is pretty um, two-dimensional, I guess, in a sense, because we don't really know anything about her except that she's hateable. Just hateable. Yeah. I don't have anything. I just... No. There's nothing redeeming about this character. She's just the worst. I mean, Elle has done nothing to her. Like, she's just existing. She's just merely, merely existing. Yeah. Yeah. And and maybe she likes Will. I don't know. Yeah, I can't really... Right? She leaves Will alone. Yeah, I don't... I don't don't get it. And, And like, but it almost seems like she targets Elle because she's clearly getting a reaction out of her. Right. Yeah, Um, So I I don't know. I mean, it's hard to say, but she acts like she's operating under false information. She says, like, Elle snitched on her and that's, like, the whole roller skating thing, Mm -hmm. like, her getting revenge or whatever. But, like, I don't know if she actually even believed that. So I'm not really sure. Um, She's looking for an excuse. Yeah, like, I I think that she said that, but I'm not sure she believed it herself. So the, the jerk jock would also fall under this category. So that gives us Jason. So... (laughs) <laughs> another <laughs> another trope in bullying that we did not mention but that kind of makes sense for jason as well is called put them all out of my misery <laughs> <laughs> which like i said we watch jason kind of spiral so that makes sense so these characters are usually the least sympathetic in the sense that at least their motive is understandable but they come off as jerks for putting their own misery ahead of others safety wow that's really accurate actually right um yeah when i found that i was like wow that's jason yeah there he is (laughs) so jason is understandably distressed by chrissy's death and the thought of her going to eddie to buy drugs instead of coming to him when she was upset as a result of this distress he wreaks absolute havoc on the situation (laughs) just like just completely messes everything up just bull in a china closet yes (laughs) i i i would refer to this as and i'm gonna make it everyone else's problem yes (laughs) right my girlfriend was buying drugs and died and that is all of your yes jobs to fix yes everyone better fix it next in the moderately sympathetic category we have troy and james these two take their nonsense to another level however with the jump off a cliff and i'm gonna cut your teeth out incident yeah that's pretty messed up they they came off (laughs) as like kind of generic like middle school bullies until that point but i don't know i mean i guess the humiliation was sort of like the turning point there but Mm -hmm. um so what what is the deal with these two like is it their upbringing is it like are they hearing this language at i mean we know they are hearing this language because troy even says like oh my dad said that he was probably killed by some other queers. Yeah, yeah. right. So I, 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 I guess, forgot about that. Yeah, I'm guessing they're just mirroring what they're hearing at home, which is pretty tragic. So like, I do feel bad for them in a sense because I can't imagine what their home lives are like. So yeah, they they are they are moderately sympathetic. Um, Tommy and Carol. Yeah. Oh. Mm. So the re- relationship between Steve and and these two, they can't seem to summon a single ounce of maturity. <laughs> 
between the two of them. And Steve loves it. He thinks they are so funny. I mean, obviously until when, he's, yeah, when, the he, end. when he stands up to Tommy. But genuinely, this is a question I've asked many times. Who hurt these people? Like, what? what is their problem? <laughs> like, what is their actual problem? Do they even love each other? Are they? I don't know. This just this makes no sense to me. I, I'm not sure if they are, like, capable, honestly. Yeah, like we mentioned earlier, like, Carol mocks Steve for having a heart. But, like, she's been dating this They're guy dating. since eighth grade. Like, I don't understand. Hello? Like, do they not have hearts and love each other? Why is it? Yeah, I don't. Is it just that this is so out of character for Steve that they felt the need to point it out? That's, maybe. Maybe. I guess that kind of makes sense. But I. But it's not, like, good for you, man. Like, I'm glad you found that. Yeah. It's like, oh, me. Right. Like, you, you would think jealous? they'd be happy. Right. It's so strange. I don't understand it. I don't know why these two act like this. I mean, we can take a guess and say they're, like, pretty neglected at home or something. They're looking Maybe. looking for attention. I don't really know. Maybe attention. Yeah. It could be that. So I, I really don't know with those two. But I would say they definitely do fall under the moderately sympathetic category because... It's just not normal bully behavior. It's not normal, like, troublemaker behavior. Like, it seems like there's genuinely something wrong here. It's just interesting that it would have been both of them. Like, they obviously come from different homes. Hmm, yeah. So, our last category on this this scale is the least sympathetic. And I think we could probably have some debate about, like, the placement of these bullies on this scale. But this category... The audience completely sides against those in this category. So this is the last category that we were able to place our bullies into. And the only bullies that I was able to place into here are the Hawkins post crew. Yeah. Because there is actually a trope called the politically incorrect villain. And the quote is, their bigotry is gratuitous and serves no purpose other than highlighting how evil they are, which usually creates a deep sense of loathing in most audiences. They are just sexist. There is no way around it. I don't think anyone feels like these characters are redeeming. No. Um, morally gray. Maybe do we sympathize with Tom Holloway after Billy flays Heather at all? No. Like, okay, so Billy has flayed his daughter and they're in the home and dinner is served and Billy, like, serve dinner and nobody's asking any questions i i i don't think he falls in that category because of the way that he treats his wife in that scene he's yes, like oh he i told is. you to lay off the wine like i'm sorry yeah, who are you? yeah right and then but then she collapses and he seems genuinely concerned yeah. yeah i don't find these characters morally gray and i don't really think that we are meant to sympathize with them whatsoever no i don't think yeah so, so hawkins post crew you're just shitty. Yep, the worst. Uh, so our last category here would be our permanently unsympathetic characters. So this character would be irredeemable. I mean, nothing they could do would bring bring them back from the, the terror that they've caused. So we're not talking about like villains here, like like Vecna or the Demogorgon, the Mind Flayer or whatever. We're talking more about just like human bullies. So do we feel like any of the bullies we talked about would fit into the permanently un- unsympathetic category? I mean, maybe the Hawkins crew. I can't put Billy there. He just, <laughs> to me, like, he's, I'm sorry. He's just got too many layers. Like, but I can understand if people put Billy there. Yeah, I I could put Billy there and I couldn't. Like, I'm really of two minds on him. I I really don't, I don't, like, th- I don't know. This might get me canceled. But I I always felt like, his sacrifice quote-unquote to the mind flayer was not a sacrifice at all like Mm -hmm. i felt like he snapped out of it and was like oh god a big monster and it just gave time like l time to get away like to me it didn't seem conscious i don't know why like i could be wrong i probably am wrong because the entire world views it as a sacrifice so i i'm (laughs) i'm guessing i'm the wrong one but i just didn't view it as selfless at all i felt like it was just kind of what like a reflex in in a sense um but i don't know because he kind of looked back at max before doing it so maybe it was intentional but either way right like he he did this thing at the end of his life and it it definitely like made us feel more sympathy about his death but honestly i feel like it was only done to make us feel a little sympathy about Mm. his death because honestly if he hadn't done that right before dying 
I'm not really sure what we would have felt about him. I don't know. Yeah, and I also think how how Max ends up responding to him in season four also alters how we're responding to him, but they also show him in her mindscape saying all the things that she wouldn't want to hear him say, mm-hmm. like, you're happy that I died or whatever it is, or and sometimes have wished to join me. Yeah. So the only reason I, I view the conclusion of season three as a Billy sacrifice is because he would recognize Elle from when she infiltrated his mind when he was already possessed. And remember, she was so confused. She was like, can he see me yeah. in here? So I don't know if I took it as like he looks back and sees Eleven and then decides to sacrifice himself because he recognizes her as maybe like a would-be rescuer because Billy didn't want to be flayed. Like the beginning of season three, it's like it's almost painful to watch him be pulled down and and, like it's... Yeah, you do feel bad What do you want? I don't understand. Like, I don't know. He just just... Yeah, he's a he's a weird one. He is a weird one. I mean, like, there's parts of his behavior, right, that we, like, feel bad about and we're sympathetic about. But at the same time, there's a lot of his behavior that's just kind of inexcusable. Like, racism is not cool. Right. At, yeah, at all. Bad. Like Abuse, not good. Abuse is not cool. Beating up people just willy-nilly, not cool. I don't get it, man. But he, I don't know. He was also, like, oddly soft to steve in moments right like he was like i I told you to plant your feet like you almost like are you looking out for steve like what is the dynamic billy is so weird yeah and then in like that weird shower scene he like almost sympathizes with steve because he doesn't know that nancy is with jonathan now Mm -hmm. so like i don't know turns off the shower and steve's got soap in his eyes he could just turn it back on whatever yeah billy's a weird one i don't know that's that's like the main takeaway of this episode is that we have no idea how to categorize billy no billy makes me confused yeah in many ways yeah (laughs) all right well listen mouth breathers yeah they're here (laughs) (laughs) yeah they're in everyone's lives (laughs) they sure are i mean these these tropes are like actually really interesting to continue reading about um so definitely head on over to tvtropes.org if you are interested. my best friend yes marina's <laughs> new best friend at the end of the day bullying is a very real problem and it still goes on whether whether we want to believe that or not because these tv tropes kind of make us feel like oh that's a thing that happened in the 80s mm-hmm. and you know people don't really get bullied like that anymore and that's not necessarily true um of course things have improved but nothing is perfect and we have a lot of work to do so be kind and cyberbullying wasn't a thing in the 80s yes yes that's very true so be kind to each other there are people behind the screen and uh in real life you don't know what people are going through so just be kind yeah and that's that's how i'm gonna mic drop this episode as always stay strange and kind and kind (laughs) to keep in touch and stay informed about upcoming star court study hall episodes follow us on twitter at sshpod and on instagram at star court study hall